And so I'd like to introduce our speaker tonight, who's going to step in at the last minute. May, right? Thank you very much. Hi, I'm May, a compulsive overeater. Hi, May. And thank you, God, and thank you, Roy, for asking me to participate in my own recovery. Um, I have been abstaining from overeating compulsively for eight and a half years. Um, I, my talk weight has been 224 pounds. I got there when I was 19 years old. And I am, I just hope I never, ever have to be that alone again, you know. Um, and I'm down 75 pounds from that top weight, um, by the grace of God. <laughs> and if I, you know, continue to get down to the healthy weight for my, my height, I could be a hundred pounder. Um, and look forward to that day. Uh, what it was like is I was born with this allergy, this disease, I believe, you know, because I just remember very early on just thinking that food was like the best thing. I, I loved sweet things. I loved warm food. Um, it gave me comfort. I, um, my, I, and we didn't have a lot of things at home. Um, I, we didn't have a lot of good care. And my mom's best idea was to give us whatever we wanted to eat, you know. And I could really see that disease um, manifesting itself because my brother and sister lost interest in food when they were done eating. I mean, when they were full, they just went out to play. And, I mean, I just continued to eat. You know, I wasn't interested in doing anything else but continuing to find the next thing to, there was to eat. So, um, growing up in school, you know, I was, and I'm also Mexican, and um, Spanish was my first language, so I started school not speaking English, and, you know, immediately got that that distance from you guys. You know, I was there was always something different about me. I mean, for one, I didn't speak the language, but it just seemed like there was innately something wrong with me, and the only thing that I felt that I could participate in with everybody else was eating, you know. Um, that was the one thing I understood at recess in kindergarten was that sugar cookie that we got, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, it was like um, that was the, the one thing that, that was the high point of my day, basically. And um, so I went through, you know, the first three years and, you know, eventually learned to speak the language. We spoke Spanish at home and... Um, Still, my life at home was never what I was learning about in school. You know, it was just always different. And um, my best answer to feeling so separate, I just couldn't make that connection with you guys, you know. And then so I, I continued to eat, and the size of my body just kept getting bigger, and that led to exclusion from playing with the kids at school. And, you know, I just always grew up with that distance, you know. And... Um, so fast forward through, even through high school, you know, um, that was, well, I got to my top weight when I was 19 years old. That was right out of high school. And I met my husband. And he didn't seem to mind that I was that weight. And so as a result of the attraction to him, I was able to let go of food for a while. You know, I lost weight for him. And, um, you know, just basically traded the one addiction for the other. You know, it was like I was never okay on my own. I never could believe that God loved me. I mean, I went to a Catholic school and had a lot of teaching about God. And, you know, all my prayers to lose weight were never answered because I was never willing to eat less food. You know, I mean, it was, it was, there's no 
magic formula to it. Um, I found now. <laughs> I mean, it used to baffle me. It was like, well, how can I, you know, these other people lose weight just when they decide to do it, you know? And I just couldn't. I mean, they'd been sending me to diet doctors since I was 10 years old, you know, and they kept, you know, these nice men. I mean, you know, very knowledgeable doctors trying to help would hand me these, you know, sheets of diets and tell me this is what you need to eat and I'd go home and just feel like such a failure because I couldn't do it you know there was just absolutely no way and just the frustration kept growing and and um so anyways I ended up that was when I first was able to give up the food was you know when I had the big enough reason and um I wanted that attention that love and the caring that I found from my husband and um so um he made the comment once that if I ever got up to 200 pounds that he'd leave me. And we, we eventually got married. Well, first I got pregnant and then we got married. <laughs> and um, so there went college and all that. And I had gone to a, a Catholic school. And, you know, so I was really um, very ashamed of the fact that I didn't continue through college and, you know, fulfill my potential. And it was like all these people kept telling me, you know, that I could be this great person and, I was just absolutely clueless about how to get there, you know. I mean, I just couldn't have the relationships with people. I couldn't show up for stuff. I mean, I would run. I mean, that was what I learned how to do is just run and pull the covers over my head whenever, like, a big, any important thing was going on and go find something to eat, you know. Um, and what happened, I mean, I, I ended up, you know, in this marriage and just like it says in the big book, you know, doing everything I could to control the players in my life. You know, if only my husband would do these things and my son would do these things, you know, life would just be perfect, you know, and just ended up at the end of a 20 year marriage in that incomprehensible demoralization that you talk about, you know, that, that I heard about in here and. I mean, I was just out of answers. I didn't know what else to do. And, of course, there comes the food again. You know, all of a sudden, my reason to fight it or, you know, just, just back away from any kind of a, a normal eating amount of food was gone. And so I just went back to just eating all the time. I couldn't stop eating when I got here. I mean, I, I had just put on 30 pounds in six weeks and... I mean, that was like my whole purpose in life was just go find something to eat. I would, there was all these good people in my life that wanted to have, you know, some involvement with me. And I would just let the phone, the answering machine, just like exactly like it says in the book, you know, just draw the drapes and unplug the phone and just go get, you know, get, have my food. I mean, that was like my Friday night. You know, I would still work because I knew I needed money to live. But um, it was it was what I did Friday night was just go to the grocery store and get food and just bring it home and spend the weekend hiding hiding away you know and I had been in another program and I had heard um, I've been to some open Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and I'd heard alcoholics talking about how their relationship with alcohol was that and that they were able to give it up as a result of working the steps and being in this program and so I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And it was by the grace of God, you know, that I that I heard your story. I mean, it was like that. That's what it took for me to be able to do this, you know, for eight years. I mean, no diet has ever lasted this long in my life. You know, there has always come a day. It was always just a short period of time. I'd lose a little bit of weight, and I, you know, just get to the day where I forget it. You know, I just need to go get my food again. And 
this program, it seems like the more I do it, the more I want to do it. And um, it hasn't let me down yet, as long as I keep working the steps and, and doing the stuff that you do around here, you know. And so I started hearing about how people were eating three meals a day and um, had wanted food as much as I did, you know. I mean, that was like the big thing was nobody had ever talked to me about this disease before you know I had never understood it and um, so that was just really a gift and I started getting willing to do some of the things that you guys were doing in recovery and like committing to an abstinence to only eating three times a day I mean and, and that was like totally different than anything I thought that I could ever that I thought eating whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it was like the best thing that I could do for myself you know I mean and once I tried that abstinence, abstaining from that, I found that the freedom was just incredible, you know, and um, I could have never believed it without the experience, and I couldn't have believed it without somebody else, real life human being, saying this is what I do, you know, and um, again, that attraction, not promotion, has been what has worked for me in the long run in this program, um, and has gotten me to, to take the steps to read the, the big book, you know, and, and just read the program and learn about this disease. And just little by little, let go of the destructive, those character defects, you know, just trying to protect myself and living in isolation and not wanting to make contact with other people, you know. I mean, all of that stuff has just gotten, like, healed, you know. And, you know, I've gotten the little bit of a faith that God, you know, my creator, who created me normal and healthy, wants me to live happy, you know, and I used to think that giving up food, that it was like the supreme sacrifice, you know, and I mean, it was like, it was the opposite, because it was killing me, you know, but I couldn't see it until I let go of it enough to um, be able to experience life without being so obsessed with food, you know, and um, I went through a lot of sponsors at first when I when I first got abstinent. I, I was very rebellious. I mean, this has not come easy to me, you know, and, and I'm one of those people that, you know, it's like, show me how to do it. Don't tell me so much. That That's what really has given me the willingness to try and change some of my actions, um, like using the, the, you know, working the steps. You know, I, I really was very stubborn about and And it has been very painful to admit that I was powerless over food. You know, I, I just didn't want to admit in, you know, to my innermost self, like it says, that I was different from everybody else. You know, I mean, always I want that day to come when I can just walk out of here and just say, okay, now I'm fine. You know, I'm fixed. And... um that it just it's a daily reprieve it's not you know there is no magic pill you know and um and thank god you know because if i could be fixed i wouldn't continue to do these to come and, and participate and you know show up at a meeting and you know i i guess i am still seeking god you know and as i come to this meeting and, and you know i get asked to lead tonight you know this is probably the best thing i could be doing for myself and and yet it's the hardest thing you know because i want to hide you know i don't want to get up here and say hey this is this is what's going on with me you know and um it's only through the miracle of this program that i'm able to do that and so um, I guess those first three steps just came pretty quickly. They're they're pretty intellectual. I did a lot of writing. The most thing most I did was that a lot of writing on being powerless on my history with food and 
that I got to tell you has kept me in this program when my head would tell me to leave because I have it down in writing in these notebooks saying you know I can't deny it I mean that is my truth and that's how it's been with me with food you know and if I stop doing this I know I'll be back there in a heartbeat you know and um, so that that was really helpful to do and then um, of course the inventory you know that was I, I resisted that for a long time and again it was the attraction it was like I heard the people talking about the freedom from facing themselves and you know, just not being so afraid and running away from that, the stuff that, that, I don't know, I just kept it very hidden, you know, all the secrets and stuff. And once it was out, it was like I was just like other people, you know, and, and took my fifth step with my sponsor and, and then had to get through the fear of, oh, no, now she knows all these deep, dark secrets and she's going to be in these meetings with me, you know, and she's just going to, I mean, could do a lot of damage there and, you know, live through that. So, I mean, little by little, I've just learned to trust people and, and that that it's not so bad, you know, that, that I can show up for my life and, um, you know, maybe even enjoy it someday. Right now, I'm just not having a great time because um, I'm just in another one of those transitions. I also got to show up for school. I, I finally got my bachelor's degree um, a couple of weeks ago. I graduated from that program. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, and, and it's it's all about cleaning up the wreckage of my past, you know. I mean, I just, I like gave up that whole part of me, um, you know, to go, you know, get the attention from this man. And it's like the most constructive thing I could have done was just to stay in school at the time after high school. But, you know, I guess, you know, people's lives go the way they do. And yet I was given this second chance to do it. And I did it abstinent. And it's just like so amazing because I was so scared that whole time. I mean, you know, going back to school at my age and it was this business school and it was very demanding. And, you know, you guys showed me how to show up for a midterm without eating before I got there and without eating all night after I was done. You know, I mean, it was like I get to make outreach calls to people and, and just I don't have to go destroy myself. I can show up for my life, and it's just really a gift. And um, so now at the end of that is I'm facing another crossroads of what job I want to do and what direction I want to take with my life again. And i got to tell you, I've been struggling with the food lately. Again, you know, my head tells me, oh, well, I've had eight years of abstinence. You know, it's like, do I really need to do this? You know, and pretty soon I stop reading the book so much. I stop going to as many meetings. And, you know, my, my optional snacks are back into my abstinence, you know. And, I mean, I would much prefer to do without that extra food, you know. And um, with God's help, you know, I, I'm going to let it go. I mean, it, it feels a lot more peaceful today. Um, that insanity, it's like once I start eating more food, I just start craving more, you know. And when I'm abstinent, it's enough, you know. And, and it's, it's just amazing how that works. And... Um, so I, I um, I'm considering taking a job out in Woodland Hills, and I live in Venice Beach right now. And I mean that just the whole idea of giving up living at the beach to go to Woodland Hills is uh, it's just something that I'm I'm very much resisting, you know. And it's only because of where God has brought me in recovery 
in my life, I mean, I was in Riverside where I was married, you know, and I mean, I ended up living at the beach. So, I mean, through that whole process, it's like it just gives me that little grain of willingness to show up for it, you know, because maybe it'll turn out not as bad as I think, you know, and I think it's in that trusting and that letting go of my ideas of how my life is supposed to go, you know, because when I'm in the moment and I'm in the day is when I get the most freedom and completely giving myself to this simple program. I mean, just accepting what's in front of me as what is supposed to be going on and not acting or trying to protect myself, you know, in in my defects. And it, it just, it's such a freedom to be able to show up for my life that way, you know, um, so much better than all the games and all the running away that I've done, that I've known um, all my life. So, um, I don't know, I came here tonight and I was not, I was not even thinking I was going to get to share, you know, I mean, well, it's a speaker meeting and, and here I am, I'm in front of you and I've, I just got to say that the program works, you know, I mean, absolutely without a doubt. Um, I know that when I have given myself to this program, it has never failed me, you know, um, and it's like the one thing, and it, it, I guess it's that relationship with my higher power, my creator, you know, that wants me to be happy, and, you know, it's just I have these ideas that I go to the things that destroy me and think that that's where the answer is, you know, and um, so I'm just really grateful that I can let go of those things and you know, enjoy my life. Um, I really can't think of what else, where else to go with this. Um, mm, I don't know, that prayer and meditation, too, has um, become a good part of my life. I, I've gotten to where I... I enjoy the serenity now. I mean, my life used to be such chaos. I mean, my head would just just chatter all the time. And now there's just those moments of peace, you know, and I really like that. And um, I don't know that I can really hear God talking to me. I think more it happens as a result of listening to my sponsor or listening to people in meetings and stuff, and especially meetings that have, like, you know, an emphasis on the big book or the literature or um, step studies. I um I just hear people living better, you know, and and so then it it just gives me the willingness or the desire, you know, to um, do that for myself. And once I start trying these things and find that it works, it just gives me, it just encourages me to do it again the next time, you know. Um, and um, Oh, where else do I go with this? How are you? <laughs> uh, the traditions too are really a good thing. I, I um, they've helped me a lot in making decisions for my life. You know, like being self-supporting through my own voluntary contributions. I I see that as as you know when I participate in my recovery is when I get filled up you know I get that that comfort of being able to show up for my life like a regular human being and not have to hide or do crazy things um, um, and go get it seek attention where I don't need it to be where it is unhealthy for me to get 
um, and just just knowing that I have a disease, you know, that is not something that I'm doing wrong, that it's just uh, just the way I'm made, the way I'm put together, you know, it, it just... Um, that really helps me to go on with my life and, and to follow these steps, the, the steps that you guys have taken before me. And thank God, you know. Um, mm. <laughs> okay, so then I, I guess I, I can go to the 12th step, having had that spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to others. And, you know, there have been so many people that when I have been absolutely unwilling to continue one more day, I've shown up at a meeting and somebody has said something that has just given me that willingness to just do it for one more day, you know. And I'm so grateful. And that gives me the courage to get up here and, and try and say, you know, what I'm experiencing. Because... um I owe it, you know. I mean, there's so many people that have helped me along the way, you know. I mean, it's been eight years of a lot of meetings and listening to a lot of people in recovery that are not killing themselves anymore. And, you know, it's like the more I give is like the more I get, too, you know. Because um, every time I open up and I let people know, you know, sometime down the line, somebody comes up to me and just makes that connection that I would, I just, that I need at that moment. And... um I, another thing that, that's going on with me right now is the holidays, you know. I um, have really been missing my family, you know. And just being up here right now speaking of my immediate family, just somebody to wake up to, you know, on Christmas morning or whatever, you know. It's like I'm on my own right now and just missing that, you know. And um, I haven't heard from my son for a while, Um this whole year, actually, and I am, you know, just really wanting him in my life, and it's only through this program and the support of the people in these rooms that it fills that emptiness enough to where I can just accept that he's not in my life for, you know, for the moment, for whatever reason, and, um, you know, just to get on with it, you know, and not not either go chase him I mean there's really again you know to see that I'm powerless over this you know and to not put food in that place of that that empty space you know because um, when I'm feeling uncomfortable it's like I can always feel full favorite things is just let's go feel full you know and um, man I'm probably going to think of so many things to say when I'm done with this I've never I don't usually talk for this one um, hmm? Okay. Um, well, the, when I started with the, the powerlessness, um, I just went into a lot of the history, a lot of what food had been for me. You know that that every time I rebelled against something to show up for my life, um, I always like put food in that place where I couldn't deal with what was in front of me. And um, 
as far as believing in a power greater than myself, at first that was you guys, you know. I mean, and sometimes it still is, and and that good orderly direction, you know, um, because I figured, okay, eating three meals a day has got to be better than the insanity of what I was doing before, you know, and and just eating more food than what I need, you know. Um, And then making that decision, again, you know, that's exactly what's going on in my life right now is to make that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God and to trust that God is enough, you know, is is big enough to take care of me, you know. Um, It just seems like that whole history of not getting what I wanted um, just gets in the way and, and makes me doubt, you know, that I'll be taken care of. And it's it's in seeing it in you guys, you know, God working in your life that it makes it more clear to me that, you know, I will be taken care of. And then writing that inventory, whenever anything comes up in my life, I, I get to use those that col- those columns now. And that has been so helpful to me because, you know, I came here just full of resentments. I mean, it was like I had given my whole life to... You know, my family, all, everybody, I mean, I was just such a big people pleaser. Whatever you wanted, I just was, like, ready to do it for you. But I wanted that pat on the back, you know. I always had that hook, you know, of wanting something back from you. And then when I didn't get it, I would go get something to eat, you know. And um, when I could see that, that it was my own actions and, and what my part was in these resentments, that was when I started getting a little bit, less resentful and less fearful of the people in my life, you know, because then, you know, really it wasn't you out to get me. It was really my selfishness or self-centeredness or wanting to run the show or whatever it is that I had at stake in that, in that instance that was causing my pain, you know. And um, again, then trusting another human being, I've found that, you know, reading it to somebody else is a big key. You know, it, can't, it doesn't work if I just keep it to myself, you know, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, there was a time in my life I went through about six months where I did all this great writing and I wasn't telling anybody about it, you know, and I was getting no relief, you know, and I was going to these meetings going, you guys, you know, I'm doing this. And then finally, you know, somebody got through to me and said, well, you have to give it away. You know, you have to share it with somebody else to, to clear it up. And I think that's, how God works in this stuff with me, you know, is with another human being, you know. And then um, to have God and to be ready to have God remove the defects, you know. Um, Sometimes it's just so familiar, you know, that it's scary to think of, of doing the opposite of that defect, you know, and, and, um, encouraging people instead of criticizing or, you know, just getting to see the, the constructive action instead of the the, the selfishness and the and lying and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, the seven deadly sins, the pride, the anger. Um, it's been really helpful to try and see the other side of it and, and to try and take action for the other side. Because um, for a while, too, I was, you know, listing all these, my part, and it just, seemed like I was getting nowhere and then someone suggested that you take the opposite action or you ask God to be willing to be willing to do the opposite of the defect you know and that made a lot of sense to me at least it gave me a direction like a constructive direction to go with this you know rather than just keep doing it you know so that's that's helped a lot and then um made a list of the people we had harmed and making amends to people I I 
learned how to say I was sorry, you know. I mean, I didn't know how to do that. I would run and I'd just deny that I did anything wrong. I mean, that was like my big thing. And just to be honest and direct, and it just pleased me to be a human being, you know. And, and it's like now I have something to do when I, when I screw up, you know. I mean, it's not like I, I didn't used to have a way to deal with it, you know. And um, that was another thing I ran to food for, you know. And so that's really been a big gift. And then that, that personal inventory, continuing to take the inventory, that has been such a blessing as far as I expect so much of myself, you know. I just think that I should be able to do so much more than I really can. And when at the end of the day, I, like, take that inventory of what I did that day, and if that was the best I could do that day, as long as I stay current with it, then I, how can I expect more of myself, you know? I mean, that has been really a gift, you know, because then I can just, like, put it to rest, and I can just say, okay, you're doing the best you can every day, and so that's been a great tool. Um, and then just trying to get that conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of His will for me. It's like, you know, just to trust that His will for me is something I want, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just have this idea that, that you know, it's like I'm, the, and that's where a lot of my fear comes from, is when I think that I'm not going to get something I want, you know, or I'm going to lose something I have. And, um, you know, i got to tell you that this student loan that's going to come due pretty soon now as a result of getting through school is, like, terrifying me. You know, how am I going to get the money to do that? And, you know what, I just get reminded to stand today. You know, today I don't have to know how it's going to happen, and and. I just need to trust that it will be taken care of, and I have no reason to doubt that it has. I mean, look at how far I've come, you know. I mean, when I first got divorced, um, I just had visions of living out on the street, you know. I mean, I had never supported myself, and I mean, just little step by step, it has just all happened, and I've just been all right, you know, and better than anything I could have imagined, you know, and certainly better than just being, uh, you know, on my own in my little room. Um just hiding out from people, you know, not not having any connection with other human beings. And, that the, you know, that that's another thing, too, is, is the tools that um, I've learned how to use as a result of hearing you guys using them. And, and one of those things is the outreach calls, and that has been such a gift in my life because when I first got here, I would write down all your phone numbers. I mean, I just have these lists of phone numbers, and I couldn't even remember who anybody was by the time I was done. I mean, months would go by, and I wouldn't call anybody, you know. And just recently, I just started, um, like, picking five names and just doing one every day of the week of, and just continuing calling that person, like, every Monday or every Tuesday. And that has helped me have, like, some continuity to it, you know. And I try to talk to someone that has more time of abstinence than I do and then somebody that's newer than I do and that seems to like you know pass it on you know and it it helps because I mean I can't think of what to say to newcomers unless somebody who's got a longer time than I do um, can give it to me you know so that's been a real gift um, and plus it makes it fun you know and, and then now when I don't make those outreach calls I can feel how my life is like less full you know it's, it's not as as rich as it is when I've got these other people in my life, you know? And that, so that, again, encourages me to continue doing that. Um, and I guess that's about the experience I have, you know? I, I mean, I, I would encourage you guys to all just keep coming and keep doing it, you know, that 
it absolutely works, you know. And um, I hope to continue myself <laughs> day at a time. Um, and now if there's any questions that I can answer, I'd be happy to do that. Okay, the question is, what do I do as part of my morning meditation? And that is um, also a gift in my life. I read page um, 86 and 87 where it's on awakening. And then I meditate for a few minutes. And actually what I do is I, I hit the timer on the alarm clock. You know how it goes for about seven minutes because, I mean, my life is kind of crazy. But um, I meditate on the first three steps. You know, I just I remember that I'm powerless over food, that... God can restore me to sanity, and then I turn over my day, my will and my life for that day to his care. And, and then when I'm done with that, um, I write down what I intend to eat that day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And when I write it down, it just helps me so much because at that moment, I'm still like peaceful enough to think of something sane, some, you know, same thing to eat that day. And that's just been a real good tool for me to use. Okay, what is my experience with the fourth step? And if I've done it more than once, um, how did the experience change? Um, I did my formal fourth step only once and went through, I mean, I had a hundred resentments. You know? <laughs> and so I was pretty extensive. And then um, it was just such a freedom. I mean, it, it took every all the effort that I could muster to get it done because I would fall asleep while I was writing. I would do anything else to avoid it, you know. And like I said, it was finally the freedom that I heard from the people that had worked it that got me willing to want to do it, you know. Um, and it was just the freedom to be able to see that I wasn't such a slave to other people's actions because I was very afraid of people, you know. I just thought that they had just been very mean and very cruel. And there is, you know, a big um, prejudice against people that are overweight, you know, so I had a lot of that experience, and it was just very hurtful, and however, I was able to separate that and see that it's because I want their approval so bad that it hurts me so much, you know, so it, that that was really helpful, but I haven't redone it. What I do now is, is more like on the, the lines of that 10th step, the personal inventory, I do take it through the columns when I have a resentment, you know, daily, and so that's the experience with that. Hi, thank you for your service. Hmm. Um, were you always um, a writer? Was it easy for you to write, or did you have to work on it? If you had worked, and if you had to work on it to get it, uh, tell me what's your secret. What did you do to get into your daily routine? Okay, um, was writing easy for me, or was I always a writer? And no, I, I had to set the timer when I first started and write for 10 minutes every day. I mean, and that was what got me. And it was only a result of experiencing the relief that comes from getting it down on paper that, and then reading it to somebody. It's something about it just creates that distance that just helps me have a little better perspective on things rather than just having them rattle around in my head. 
But I did have that discipline at first of just setting the timer for 10 minutes. And even now, when I feel like my life is just too big and I can't, you know, take the time, I know I can take 10 minutes out of my day to do that, you know. And so that I just kept practicing it every day, every day, you know, when I first got abstinent. Yeah, just uh, share, could you share your experience with the food sponsors and the early food plants when you were first trying to get abstinent? Okay, my experience with my with a food sponsor when I first got abstinent, um, I originally was on a very strict food plan the first 30 days, and I lost 30 pounds. I, I was willing to follow a food plan. However, at the end of that 30 days, I didn't. I wasn't experiencing the freedom. I was just in a lot of fear and. But what that gave me is the idea of what a serving size was. I mean, I had no idea how much food it was. I always thought that the servings on the boxes were, I don't know, for thin people or something. You know, it's like that's not really what people eat, you know. And I mean, it was just really an awakening to see that that was it. And so then um, as a result of having that strict of a food plan, I just tried to continue that and just tried to eat more salads, more vegetables, and I would write down the quantities of food that I was eating and commit it to my food sponsor. And it was interesting, this girl, um, a very thin girl asked me, she was curious to know what I ate at a meeting, and she became my food sponsor, and I called her for three years when I first got um, abstinent. and. It was just amazing. That was another freedom, as nobody had ever known what I was eating in my whole life, ever, you know. And now I can tell anybody. I mean, I, it's just like I lost that fear as a result of doing that with her for the three years, you know. And yet, when she would, like, take in her breath or anything of, of what my choice was to eat for breakfast that day or whatever, I would just feel like I would cringe, you know, and go, oh, maybe I should eat something else, you know. And, but eventually, I just got the courage to just say, that's what I want to eat for breakfast, you know. And I mean as long as it's in the abstinence and, you know. I, and then I also consulted a nutritionist to get an idea of what was healthy for me to eat, you know. And so I used that, you know, that what this woman told me to put together what, to guide what I eat. And I don't eat sugar. I gave up sugar and, and alcohol as in my food plan. And that was also another, I could have talked about that, you know, because now sugar, I mean, the chocolate, oh, my God, that used to just really bother me. And now this has been like my ninth abstinent Christmas of abstaining from sugar. And it's like, it's neutral. I'm totally in that position of neutrality with sugar right now. Thank you, God, you know, because that was a big one for me. I loved sugar, and it was very difficult. I, I had to make a lot of calls, um, especially at work around the holidays when they, there was, like, a lot of candy around. I would just be on the phone to my sponsor, my food sponsor, or whoever happened to be talking at a meeting about, you know, having that strength of not eating it. And just from work, I'd be talking to him, and it'd give me the, the strength to get through that moment of wanting it. Um, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Hi, my question is that um, I, have, I don't have that much abstinence, and what I'm finding is that I've been reaching and, and um, for th- other things. You know, I've given that to the food, so now it's like I'm pulling at other things, whether it's exercise, picking up, thinking about drinking alcohol. It's like I'm reaching for other things to replace what my time was consumed with the food, and the food was satisfying feelings that came up. And how did you deal with that if it came up and did it, and how often? I um I think for the first, oh, how... um. What did I use to replace that, that 
craving for food or the time that food took up in my life when I first got abstinent. And um, I think for the first three years, there was nothing that I could think of that was as good as eating food. I mean, I'd cry in meetings going, there's nothing, you know. And I mean, I eventually I got willing to try going for long walks or writing. Writing was like a big help at first, you know, just to, to take that time and, you know, taking a hot shower. There, there's just like other pleasures in life that I was missing because I was just so focused on food, you know. And... It's only by getting willing to try them for a while, you know, to let go of the food long enough and then try. I found deep breathing is also, like, very delicious. And, I mean, I had a sponsor that was an actress, and she told me about that, and I was like, breathing, you know. <laughs> and it does. It just, like, really cleanses. It's, it's you know, it's, it's enjoyable. But, you know, compared to food, I mean, it was like I never breathed deep, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, I mean, it's just... You know, and now I do. There's, like, so many things in my life that, you know, were just missing because I was just so consumed with food. And now I just got willing to try different things. But at first it was just putting a lot of program in there, in that space. Hi, thank you. Can you talk about um, body image and struggling with maybe the size of your clothes being not what you want them to be or being an acceptance of your body or not acceptance and Mm. Yes, body. The, the question is about body image and the size of the clothes and everything, and that has been a big one for me. I, when I moved from Riverside, I first went to San Clemente, and I remember talking to my sponsor. I mean, I wasn't in OA at the time, but there, I had a sponsor in another program. And I was crying, saying, I, I'm too fat to live in San Clemente, you know. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I mean, I really, that was just a big, huge fear. I just thought only thin, beautiful people got to live at the beach or in such a beautiful place. And, you know, I mean, we even laughed because, I mean, I kept thinking. And she goes, well, what do you think is going to happen? And, I mean, I don't know. There's going to be a scale at the city gates. And you're going to, you know, <laughs> just have, you know, pass that, that okay mark. And, you know, it, it is. It's insane. You know, and then again, when I moved to the beach, to Venice Beach, I just thought, oh, my God, you know, I mean, my body certainly has been stretched to such sizes that it's not in good enough shape to be to look good in a bathing suit, you know. And um, so I've had really a lot of struggle with that. And again, the acceptance has just come from the support that I've gotten from people in the program. And, and I do want that size eight little black dress, you know, and I'm not in it yet. And, you know, I would hope to get into it someday. However... It's losing, like, I don't make that the goal of my life anymore, where it used to be so important, you know. I mean, now I think that if that is the healthiest I can be, and if that's how I can be the best of service, that, you know, God will allow that to happen in my life. And that's, that's like, a big help. Thanks. Hmm. Have I experienced weight gain and abstinence? Yes, absolutely. I forgot to mention that part. Um, I had lost that first 30 pounds in the first 30 days, and then I proceeded over the next two years to gain 20 of that back. And I was just, I mean, I had just, I was just new in program, and I was thinking this thing doesn't work, you know. And I was just eating bigger portions. My meals got bigger. I went to this um, sober vacation at a club med, and that did me in. <laughs> I mean, it's like they have these smorgasbords of food, and you can just serve yourself whatever you want. And 
I'm like, oh my God, it was like Disneyland, you know. <laughs> and um, once I put that extra food on my plate, it took me a year and a half to be willing to give it up and to eat less food, you know. But, you know, I had a sponsor again that said you have to share in the good times and the bad, you know, because I wouldn't, I didn't want to share at meetings. I was thinking this thing doesn't work. And that was like in the first two years. And now I've lost all that weight back again and more. And, you know, um, I weigh less now than I have ever weighed in the past 20 years, you know, and I mean, it just, it feels good to be this, I mean, and, you know, even healthier if I could lose another 20 pounds, I think, you know, I mean, just not carrying around the extra weight, you know, it makes it easier to move around and to, I mean, exercise was just such a torture to me because I was so heavy, you know, I mean, it's, it only makes sense. So, um, I just continued, and the thing that I learned through that experience, and when I've added snacks into my abstinence, that the optional snack that I really hate having in my life, just because it adds the extra calories, I just continue to pray and work the program, and now I've gotten the belief that eventually it goes away, you know, in my life, and as I lost the weight again, you know, and it's just like a like a that face, you know, like I'm getting that security that, you know, there's no more Mondays, you know, I never have to start, I never have to be afraid of Mondays anymore, you know, it's like, it's just a, I don't have to be afraid of Thanksgiving, I'm not afraid of Halloween, any of those big food days, you know, I mean, it's just breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's such a gift, but absolutely with the, with the weight loss and the weight gain, you know, that was what I did. So, is that it? Mm-hmm. Thank you for letting me speak.